Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. We continue our podcasts about the war which Russia started against Ukraine. This series is brought to you together from Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center. And today we will talk with an expert on Donbass, on Eastern Ukraine and on security issues. I'm very glad to welcome Maria Zolkina, who is an expert at Democratic Initiatives Foundation. Maria, uh, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ukraine World. So our topic today is to understand uh, whether the talks, the negotiations between Ukraine and Russia, security negotiations between Ukraine and Russia are realistic. We have uh, seen a few days ago the proposals by Ukrainian side about a major security arrangement, which includes an idea of uh, 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 guarantor states, which would guarantee the Ukrainian security. And as a compromise, uh, this can be kind of a suspension of Ukraine's NATO aspiration. Maria, what do you think about these proposals? First of all, I have to say that there are too many risks and challenges for Ukraine, not only today, but also for Ukraine security in the future uh, in within these proposals. And, and I think it was uh, from strategic point of view, it uh, could be a mistake or it was already a mistake to propose all those ideas from Ukrainian side because it... Uh, on the one hand, uh, this, there is no draft treaty yet and there is no draft um, peaceful agreement yet. So we speak only based on um, some commands coming from Ukrainian negotiators explaining what they actually offered to Russia. But on the other hand, the things which were offered by Ukrainian side uh, as of now will be taken or will be perceived as something which is already agreed by Ukraine itself. And it means that, uh, let's say, improvement of the situation or improvement of um, uh, provisions um, of this peaceful, let's say, agreement, they can. It, it is almost impossible from Ukrainian side because we have already offered something which is taken like something already agreed and uh, and uh, come uh, as a result of let's say compromise. Though um, I think it was a mistake first of all to to, uh, to try to limit our security sovereignty in the future. I will explain how it can happen. It was a mistake uh, to say that um, uh, instead of any defense alliances, we will have uh, separately Ukraine on the one hand and separately guarantor states on the other hand. This is a um, pretty risky security scheme and it has nothing in common with Article 5 of Washington Treaty. So um, declarations were good. I mean, declarations of negotiators from Ukrainian side were good. They say that uh, the peaceful settlement will be pretty equal to Article 5 of uh, Washington Treaty, meaning that aggression against Ukraine will be treated by guarantor states as aggression against them. Uh, but uh, security experts, uh, including me, when when they went go when 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 we went deeper into all those ideas, we found out that it is completely different scheme, which will not only not strengthen but even weaken Ukraine's security in the future. Let us come back to the context. So the context is that uh, Russia uh, issued 
what we call um, in the West, in Ukraine, the ultimatums, right? To the West, to NATO, to Ukraine, even before the war. And uh, among these, uh, the requirements, among these requirements, the ultimatums, there were some requirements that are absolutely absurd. For example, demilitarization. Ukraine, of course, will, will not agree on that because it needs to defend itself. Denazification, which is a completely absurdist uh, term coming from uh, Russian propaganda that all Ukrainians are Nazis and the Nazis conquered the, the power here in 2014. So it seems that, um, according to my understanding, it seems that the NATO issue, well, one of these ultimatums was the neutral status of, of Ukraine. The NATO issue was the most kind of a compromisable for Zelensky, for, for his administration, and maybe for Ukrainian people. And uh, therefore, this track was chosen because on the one side, uh, you can you can still find something about it. On the other side, it should involve many other countries, right? Because this is an ultimatum not only to Ukraine, but to other countries. So to drag other countries also in these in this negotiations. And uh, given the fact that n- the decision in NATO countries are taking mostly uh, unanimously and there is very little probability that everybody will agree on Ukraine's NATO membership, they, I mean, the presidential office started to think how to replace it. And I don't know if you agree with me, uh, I would think that they they were looking on the Austrian model, the 1955 Austrian model, when Austria was declared neutral states, but um, under the big treaty which involved the countries that uh, occupied Austria since uh, the end of the World War, World War II. Was this a model, do you think? Um, no, Ukraine will have an updated Budapest Memorandum, uh, which means the Ukrainian model of no security, actually. I will remind our uh, audience that uh, the main problem was um, when it comes to demilitarization of Ukraine, as Russia demanded, and which is not actually possible for Ukrainian side, uh, the main idea was not just to prevent Ukraine from joining NATO. The main idea was to make Ukraine not capable of defending itself to make Ukraine not able to receive as much weapons supply or other military technologies supply uh, to Ukraine to and defend itself again against Russian army in case of new invasion. Uh, and, and that is why any new peaceful settlement, uh, whether it will be based on idea of non-bloc status or neutral status for Ukraine or... Um, on the contrary, an idea to to be part of some other defense alliances, not NATO. Any peaceful settlement should be based or has to be based on the preconditions or on the conditions when Ukrainians' ability, ability of Ukrainian army to rebuff new Russian aggression in case it happens uh, will be pretty high and it will be some kind of prevention for Russia to, you know, to have a new attempt to invade Ukraine. And what do we have now? So, first of all, there was the critics of NATO membership. And it was, yes, it was perceived, it was considered by Ukrainian authorities as a kind of compromise because the, the, the road towards NATO is pretty long. And, and there are still Germany and France and even U.S. who are not ready to, uh, to make Ukraine join. In, in the coming years, though experts on Euro-Atlantic integration of Ukraine say that the highest possible chances to, to become a NATO member um, in the coming future we actually have now. 
Uh, so it, it might be some kind of political paradox, but uh, some people say that, some experts say that we have never been so close to having this membership perspective like we have now. But uh, nevertheless, if we compromise about NATO, so we refuse from NATO membership perspective, it means that the replacement should be adequate and should provide Ukraine with pretty identical or pretty equal security guarantees, making the price of new invasion for Russia too high to use that kind of scenario. But what we receive all after all, it is the idea that Ukraine will be a state declaring its neutrality. This is the idea of Ukrainian side. And at the same time, there will be some treaty, though I doubt it can be one treaty. Uh, the treaty which will be signed by number of different states, absolutely different states, with absolutely different interests, with absolutely different international policy and foreign policy priorities. Signing this treaty and securing, giving Ukraine some guarantees. It means that if it is just the one treaty, uh, the, the, the provisions of its treaty taking into account that two different states will be signing it, uh, the sense of this treaty will be, let's say, very compromising. So, because I doubt that Israel or Poland and Poland, China and, uh, and US can give Ukraine the same, uh, the same, you know, promises or assurances or guarantees for support. It means that if these states are pretty different, then the then the text will be really compromising and will be really weak, if I may to say so. Um, and the scheme of providing security for Ukraine will be not like a collective security, but will be more like. Um, um, having some consultations in case of new invasion what is actually what has actually already happened in the case of our invasion there was no uh, like specific procedure or specific uh, uh, terms of these consultations that they were they were be they, they were halted during first 48 hours when no support actually came to ukraine because everyone in the west was sitting and waiting uh, whether Ukraine will fall or not. Um, and then they will, these guarantor states, they, they should decide what kind of support to send to Ukraine. And this is, again, not something different from what we have already had in February or in March this year after invasion. A and that's the main question of experts, including me. Um, what is the principal difference? in what way we can be sure that these states will provide Ukraine not only with much more serious support, including troops, but I think we cannot be sure that they will provide even that kind of support that we have been having right now, since February. Therefore exactly, because... Therefore, you are saying uh, uh, that this is kind of a Budapest Memorandum plus, right? Yes. Because there is so much criticism of Budapest Memorandum. Uh, let me remind to our listeners that Budapest Memorandum is a kind of a document with no basically legal obligation, not le legally binding document in, in which uh, uh, some 
some states uh, uh, signed it. Uh, remind me, it's United States, uh, UK, and Russia, uh, right? Uh, signed it to uh, as a kind of a trade-off for Ukraine uh, giving up its nuclear weapons in the 90s. So you think it will be the same and there will be no automaticity <clears throat> with regards to defending Ukraine in case of aggression. Is that what you're saying? Yes, there will, there will be no automatic replying uh, according to um, the scheme which is used by NATO, for example, like collective defense principle. And that is why... Uh, of course, we still don't have a treaty, and maybe this draft even treaty uh, doesn't exist uh, at, at this very moment. But the core principles is like that. The core principles which were offered by Ukrainian side, they are like that. And, and that's really an update of Budapest Memorandum, because according to Budapest Memorandum, the guarantor states or the signatories uh, they had to conduct consultations in case of any, not only military, by the way, in case of any threat to um, sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. Uh, and uh, since 2014, Ukraine has asked, if I'm not mistaken, four times uh, to start this kind of consultations in the framework of Budapest Memorandum. And Ukraine didn't receive any response uh, on that appeal uh, from any of signatures, not only from Russia, but also from United Kingdom, US, um, France and China, which um, joined uh, this uh, Budapest Memorandum later after it was already signed. And that is why the main um, risk is not, you know, to be trapped uh, in a new Budapest Memorandum, which will have another form, because as of now, the main um, the main argument, pro-argument of Ukrainian negotiators is that uh, it will be not a memorandum, it will be a full-fledged international treaty, which has to be ratified by parliaments of all the guarantor states. Um, and according to Ukraine, Ukrainian authorities' position, it will make these guarantor states act in case of new invasion. It will make the provisions of this treaty um, have binding, legal binding uh, um, power in comparison, in contrast to Budapest Memorandum, which was like like a declaration, whether we want or not, we, we decide on our own. On our own. To, to support Ukraine or not to support. But even if, even if there is an international treaty ratified by parliaments, in any treaty, there will be, uh, there, can, there can be concrete terms uh, with bi legal binding force making these guarantor states send troops, send specific weapons. Anyway, there will be, you know, the choice. It will be formulated like a choice of guarantor states, and this is pretty predictable, how to support Ukraine. And this kind of support can be absolutely different. Like, like now, uh, different member states of NATO or EU, they decide on their own what kind of weapons to send to Ukraine, uh, what kind of support to give to Ukraine. Uh, and uh, we have to keep in mind that in case we have some kind of settlement based on this formula right now and everyone in the west uh, feel a relief feels a relief uh with uh, so to say pretty short 
um, uh, lasting conflict. Uh, after all, after that, the new aggression will will be so so hard to overcome uh, uh, in terms of fears from the West to support or not to support Ukraine. And I hardly believe uh, that, uh, and I believe the Western countries will hardly provide Ukraine in a very short term, on a very short term basis, um, all those weapons and all those um, supplies in case Russia invade one more time. But you, exactly because everyone will be uh, scared by the fact uh, or by the perspective to, you know, to destroy this uh, pretty complicated scheme with so-called neutrality, with so-called guarantees, which will never uh, work in case there is a new invasion. And that's the main risk, to think about what will happen in the future. Coming back to this Budapest memorandum, I think you're right that it was absolutely weak instrument. And uh, 2014 basically confirmed that, because what we are all surprised is why the Normandy format was established with France and Germany instead of a Budapest format, basically, with United States and UK. Why? Why... Ukraine not uh, has not invited, for example, these Budapest guarantors, UK and United States, to basically to be in these negotiations. So that 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 also shows that in case of uh, aggression, Russian aggression, just Budapest memorandum didn't work. Uh, let me also touch upon uh, the issue of NATO, because on the one hand, well, this this proposal can be seen as a Zelensky's office, Zelensky's team looking really for compromise and starting to look for another solution. Now, what can be done if, for example, Ukraine doesn't join, doesn't join NATO? But the critics of, of these proposals are saying that, uh, look, if Ukraine declares neutrality, then all cooperation with NATO will stop. And this cooperation is something very important for Ukraine, not only modern weapons, but also instructors, but also intelligence sharing, uh, some other stuff. Do you agree with this criticism? I completely agree with this critics, and I think this is um, uh, this is a strategically um, not uh, effective step for Ukraine, or not. This is a mistake to refuse officially from NATO membership, especially taking into regard into regard that um, this perspective is already included into Ukrainian constitution. Uh, but anyway, um, we, we have to understand that yes, even if even if Ukraine refuses from this membership perspective, the only possible alternative, good alternative, which can be uh, not necessarily for a long period of time, but at least temporary, it should it should be some kind of new defense alliances with countries which will be ready. Uh, to cooperate with Ukraine or to integrate with Ukraine in some new uh, collective defense or uh, defense security alliances in contrast to those NATO member states who are not ready uh, to be with Ukraine uh, under one umbrella. It can be, first of all, Poland uh, and other Eastern European states 
despite the fact that they do not have, I mean, for instance, Czech Republic, uh, Slovak Republic, or Baltic states, they do not have that kind of uh, military uh, capacities like uh, some Western states or like um, US, but nevertheless, they have... uh, uh, the same interest as security interest as Ukraine has. They have the same risks as Ukraine has. Risks coming from um, uh, aggressive uh, uh, aggressive policy of uh, of the of Russian Federation. Uh, there is United Kingdom, which is very powerful uh, partner of Ukraine. And if we will, if I may, let's say to map uh, Ukrainian partners or to range them as of now. I would say that United Kingdom is maybe uh, even much more uh, strong partner in terms of uh, its readiness to support Ukraine than even the U.S. right now. It, of course, it is linked to the or it is related or explained by, by the fact that United Kingdom needs more internet, more power uh, on an international arena after being um, uh, after leaving the European Union. Uh, but here our interests comply, actually. And uh, we can remind um, ourselves that uh, the idea of so-called trio between United Kingdom, Ukraine and Poland, the idea of a new alliance was already um, announced uh, and, and this alliance was already established exactly before Russian invasion in February. Uh, but despite, but because of the current situation, so actually no concrete, you know, provisions were presented regarding the fact how this alliance can and uh, uh, will um, function. Um, that's why I, I think yes. Yeah, so the, the, I agree totally with, with that kind of skepticism about refusing from NATO. It will definitely influence the level of cooperation between Ukraine and NATO member states. Military exchange, military exercises between Ukrainian army and NATO member states' armies was of a fundamental importance for Ukrainian army to uh, not just to train on a practical level, but to get used to um, work with some kind of weapons Western weapons, which are not possessed by Russian army, but which are possessed by Ukrainian army as of now, and which is used by Ukrainian army on the ground in this war. Intelligence um, communication, intelligence uh, services exchange, again of crucial importance, because exactly due to real-time exchange of information between between Ukrainian intelligence service and Western partners' intelligence service, we are so precise in um, planning our operations and rebuffing Russian attacks and and planning special operations on the ground. Uh, And... uh, if you if you will go uh, back to um, to the proposals coming from Ukrainian side in Istanbul, it was very remarkable. It was noticeable that um, within those proposals, it was very important idea that in case Ukraine announced its neutrality and non-bloc status and signed that kind of a treaty with international partners like guarantors of our neutrality, Ukraine will not agree that Ukraine will not join any security or defense alliances in the future. How can that be, I am asking like an expert, and as a citizen also, 
How can we limit, officially limit, and give such a promises for limiting our sovereignty, our sovereign decisions for the future, and saying that we will never join any defense or collective security alliances, not only NATO, but others as well. It means that even, you know, mini NATO, if I may um, uh, say so, um, mini NATO uh, uh, with uh, our concrete partners like with UK or Poland or other Eastern European states, these alliances will not be possible. In those proposals, there was a, an idea that uh, military exercises on Ukrainian territory again will be not possible if one of these guarantor states will be against that. And we, of course, understand that Russia will be always against any military exchanges and exercises on Ukrainian territory if these exercises are not between Russian troops, which is absurd, and Ukrainian ones. Um, it means that um, the, 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 the main risk is not just with peaceful agreement at all. The main risk is what we will do after that, whether we will have opportunity to receive uh, at least the same scope of uh, weapon supply and military support like we like we have now. Whether our army will be able to increase its capacities and its military capabilities, uh, being uh, the army of a neutral state with very limited uh, cooperation with NATO and other uh, countries or, or member states of NATO in terms of uh, security cooperation. That's the main question. And whether it's okay for us you know, to promise that we will not join any uh, any security alliance in the future, because every time Ukraine will try to enhance cooperation with other states in security or in military area, we will receive what? We will receive Russia's aggression again. Indeed, this cooperation is very important. The cooperation in the intelligence, the arms that Ukrainians are, Ukrainians are receiving, basically we can say that the efficiency of Ukrainian resistance right now is due to two factors, the spirit of Ukrainian nation, the readiness to defend the country, but also due to support, technical equipment, intelligence, arms support, which is coming from from its international partners. And limiting that option is, is a disaster because it will really weaken Ukraine's uh, defense c- capabilities and basically put um, these international partners under risk. Because if Ukraine is unable to stop Russia here, uh, we, uh, we all understand, I think, that Russia will continue its aggression further and also attack NATO states. Let let us, for the conclusion, let us think about a possible solution. Uh, how this possible solution can look like? Uh, for example, as far as I see, you propose much, uh, much lesser number of countries in with which Ukraine should have uh, agreements and collective security agreements. Obviously, we should uh, we should not involve Russia as a as a guarantor, because Russia can use any agreement of security guarantees as a legal basis for its attack. Let's not forget about this. It can declare that there is a problem with security you know, in Ukraine and therefore Russians need to step up to defend somebody. That's what we have already seen. So you propose to limit this, uh, this number of states, uh, keep the NATO perspective uh, open, maybe delayed, but open, and uh, and uh, does not not to exclude uh, enhanced cooperation with NATO 
enhanced cooperation and other possible security alliances. Uh, is that what you propose? Yes, that's exactly what I have been proposing. So uh, ideally to keep uh, to keep the, uh, the probability to move towards NATO membership open, uh, yes, we can compromise um, the perspective. Let's say um, we, we can we can delay it, um, but uh, not to refuse from it officially. If we refuse, if we decide to refuse officially from NATO membership, we should not limit ourselves uh, to uh, in our opportunities to join, in our possibility to join some other alliances. And I think then the only valuable uh, alternative can be some smaller alliances with the countries which has the same interest as Ukraine have, has, um, not to include and, uh, and to, you know, to step away, to step back from, from this scheme when there is neutral Ukraine and some guarantor states, but to replace, try to at least try to replace it with some other, uh, like, alliance scheme where all the partners, all the members will be equal. In case... Again, moving forward, in case this the current scheme with Ukraine as a neutral state and guarantor states on a side will be used, uh, we definitely cannot agree with the idea that Ukraine will never uh, in the future join some other defense alliances. If we, let's say, stop the, not the hot phase, not the war, but this, exactly, precisely this stage of the war with that settlement, there should not be in this settlement any restrictions for Ukraine to join some other defense alliances after that. Uh, the problem with defense alliances as of now is that even the closest Ukrainian partners are a bit afraid of giving Ukrainian side the real guarantees and the real uh, and to use a real collective defense principle uh, exactly for the same reasons for which Ukraine is not the member of the NATO. So everyone is uh, um, is being scared, is scared to become, uh, you know, um, that, that Russia will announce them the new object for, for the aggression because they have interfered the conflict between Russia and, uh, uh, and Ukraine. And that is why, in case we stop this phase of the war with some agreement, there should be definitely, and there has be definitely, there has to be definitely the the opportunity, the right preserved for Ukraine to establish new defense alliances. Which, uh, and this scheme doesn't contradict uh, neither uh, membership perspective, and that is why we don't need actually to refuse officially from NATO, but but we can, you know, build some smaller alliances. But this scheme with defense alliances will contradict uh, the idea of uh, non-bloc status for Ukraine. And that's why, uh, in my opinion, uh, defense alliances on the one hand and neutral status on the other hand, they are not, you know, uh, they cannot be combined into the one basket. And that is why diplomatically it will be important possible for Ukrainian side to um, to sign first of all this um, peaceful settlement with neutral status for Ukraine and after that have a hope that we will build something more effective. No, the choice is to be done right now before we sign any agreement. And last point but not least uh, that um, uh, Ukrainian army is doing its job really great. 
uh, and the main um, and the main um, let's say uh, suggestion which for at least I have been hearing from from our officers and, and soldiers is that not to sign agreement um, until Ukraine is in the strongest possible position from military point of view on the ground because diplomatically Ukraine will not be able to withdraw Russian forces, unfortunately for our Western audience and unfortunately for Ukrainian civilians. Diplomatically, Ukraine will not be in the coming weeks um, uh, possible, able to withdraw Russian uh, forces from uh, Ukrainian territory. So first, the army has to make, a job, make it work, make a job and, and push Russian forces as close to the border as possible. And in the moment of strongest possible position on the ground, only then to sign any agreement. This is advice which I have been hearing from, from military guys. And, and, and I think that political leadership has to follow it. This is pretty rational one. So this is a very important uh, statement because we have seen from the Donbass war that if Russians take some territories, it's impossible to kick them out diplomatically. The only way they can be kicked off is militarily, and this is what we are experiencing right now around Kiev. So Russians are leaving Kiev region, Kiev oblast, and uh, this is primarily because they understand that they lack forces to keep these territories. Unfortunately, what we are witnessing right now is that they will be uh, relocating their forces <clears throat> on Donbass. Maria, you are yourself from the Luhansk region, from Stanitsa Luhanska. Uh, as far as I see, the situation is very difficult there. So many cities are completely destroyed and many people are taken as hostages by, by Russians. And uh, the last point, what, what do you expect in the coming months? Do you think that they will Russians will try to encircle or um, kind of uh, hit the Ukraine, the parts of Ukrainian army in, in the east, uh, close to in the Donetsk and Luhansk oblast. And do you think this is this will be the main uh, stage for you know for for military fights in the coming weeks? I have been saying for three weeks already that uh, the main battlefield will be not around Kiev or not in the north at this stage of the war, but in east and south of Ukraine. First of all, in Donbas, because Donbas has both strategic and symbolic uh, meaning for Russia. Uh, um, without occupation of the whole uh, territory of Donetsk and Lugansk oblast, Russia will be fully like a loser. Uh, and any propaganda will uh, be able to justify that Russian army was not able even to occupy uh, uh, the territory like they pretend of uh, so-called republics because they want them to be to to uh, to have all the territory of Donbas and um, um, in in international media it's not so much information about what is going on in Donbas but I have to say that the heaviest battles as of now. Uh, have been being uh, have been taking place in Luhansk region. There is a hell already for for a couple of weeks, uh, and um, Russians have occupied part of uh, previously government control areas of Luhansk region, like Shastya or Stanitsa Luhanska, from where I am originally. Uh, but this is a very limited area occupied. Let's let me say, and, and it was occupied mainly because Ukrainian army did a tactical step back because this is tactically not very suitable position for rebuffing aggression because this is like in a on a down 
uh, in comparison to the, to the hill where Luhansk is situated, and Ukrainian army did this tactical step back from there. But all other cities in the uh, uh, northern part of uh, of Luhansk region, around all these cities, are the heaviest battles are taking place. Rubizhne, Severodonetsk, Lysychansk, Popasna, Kremina. So everywhere, Ukrainian army keeping the defense line and every day is rebuffing thousands and thousands of uh, staff, military staff, soldiers coming to those cities from Russia territory or from so-called LPR uh, territory and uh, trying to uh, who try to occupy new new towns. Yes, I think the main battlefield will be there, uh, but Donbass uh, will be not enough for for Russia. And I think that really Russia will uh, really sit down and try to make a, a settlement, uh, try to sign something with Ukraine only in case they occupy the whole Donbass, and in case they fix their position in the south of Ukraine, mainly in a part of Zaporizhia region and in the whole Kherson region. So only having control over all those east and south, Russians will be ready to to try to settle somehow the you know, and to sign something. Before that, I hardly believe that it will be in Russian interest to make a real, uh, uh, to, to make negotiatives effective and, and to conduct negotiatives uh, constructively from their side. Uh, as of now, Russians are trying to uncircle Ukrainian army in Donbas, and that is why uh, the strategic importance has uh, the battlefield uh, close to Izum in Kharkiv region. Uh, in case, uh, I hope that will not happen, in case um, Ukrainian defense line will be will be broken uh, around Izum, then the encirclement of Ukrainian army in Donbas will be almost inevitable for, um, uh, for, for us. Because they will come, I mean, Russians will come from the Kharkiv region, from the north, and they will come from the south, where they control partially control um, uh, the southern region uh, of Kherson and Zaporizhia. And that is why Ukrainian army is fighting so heavily in Kharkiv region, exactly close to Izum, and in Donbas itself. Uh, and in Donbas, maybe the most um, the most trained the most um, effective um, and, and the most skilled maybe um, Ukrainian army uh, divisions are situated and that is why this is not an easy task for Russians and I hope they will not succeed with with occupying uh, any new you know part of the territory in Donbass. Thank you very much Maria let's hope indeed that uh, Ukrainian army will be strong enough to <clears throat> defend itself and defend Ukrainians all over Ukraine. Uh, let me just address the for our listeners is that you are receiving news of a positive developments around Kyiv, but indeed it can be just change of Russian tactics and relocating their troops, focusing much more on the east and south. So the successes of Ukrainian army is a very good sign, but doesn't mean that everybody should relax or the West should relax. Ukraine Ukraine needs more arms, more sophisticated, modern arms, uh, air defense systems primarily, anti-missile systems, 
armored vehicles. That's what we hear from uh, Ukrainian military experts. And uh, sometimes we see that some countries are blocking these supplies. They should should be stopped, uh, and supplies should should be going uh, increasingly because Ukrainians are really having a chance to stop. Russia here on our territory. Thank you so much, Maria. We had Maria Zolkina, who is expert at uh, Ilko Kucherev Democratic Initiatives Foundation. Follow her on Twitter. She's one of the best uh, Ukrainian security experts focused on Donbass and Eastern Ukraine. As you can see, she's uh, herself from Stanitsa Luhanska, from Luhansk Oblast. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. We are making this uh, series of podcasts about the war in Ukraine jointly between Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center. You can support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.